Hello, welcome to Christ Community Church. We're so glad you, you joined us this morning. Um, I've been drinking jalapeno, strawberry, energy drink, thanks to Zach. So there's no telling what's about to happen here. But we're going to worship together, and we're going to praise God. And uh, we encourage you guys to enjo uh, enjoy us. <laughs> we encourage you guys to join us. There it is. And uh, go ahead and gather around and sing along with us. love of Jesus sing his mercy and his grace in the mansions bright and blessed he'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we'll sing and shout the victory Walk the pilgrim's pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. forward to the day when we can all worship together. But let's join our hearts and our minds and our spirits and praise our Lord today. I wanted to bring you a word of hope in this these crazy times today, and the Lord laid it upon my heart to read to you Psalm 103, where it reminds us to remember who God is. This has been such a comfort for me in the last few days. Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. 
The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens from above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we have never been there. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord. Everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Robin, for the call to worship. We're going to teach you a new song today. It's called Be Still. The chorus says, I will wait for you. Holy Spirit, come renew all of my strength. You guys sing along. I forget who you are, who you have been. Almighty God, perfect in peace, my champion, all that I. Whenever I call, I 
will choose life even in darkness your truth lights breaking the spark in this heart and soul be still and know that my fears gone here in your presence a new song rises to heaven this heart and soul will be still and know you are good You guys, that was beautiful. That was great. That was Thank so you, good. I like that middle part where um, the songs, the chorus maybe, you are good, you are good. And I think that's a great choice great of song. song for today in this time where we are to be reminded, no matter what's happening. Yes. He is good, he is good, yes. he is good. So thanks. Thank and you. Um, today we're going to be talking about empathy. Yes. Uh, which is not an easy topic because in my experience, for me, I don't always, I haven't always known what that is. We get it confused with sympathy and compassion, which are all also very good things. Um, but um, what is empathy? And, and, and when, when there's something difficult to learn, I often think that it might be good. It's good to see what the opposite of that is, to look at what it's not. Right. So that when we can, we, at least we know what it's not yes. before we move forward yes. to try to determine what it is. So, good idea. Well, you know, you know, we try, don't we? Yes. Um, so in the Victorian novel, Tess of the D'Urbervilles by Thomas Hardy, I don't know if you ever read that, if you remember the Victorian, kind of the Victorian uh, anti-heroine, the girl who is uh, always kind of lost. Well, in Tess of the D'Urbervilles, this wonderful character named Tess, um, is the village girl and she's super poor. Their family is poor, and so she ventures out of the village when she's a little bit older and goes up to the manor house up the road and employs herself there as a keeper of birds. And she's beautiful. And, the, and the, the people there are rich. And, of course, there's a young man who's kind of a scoundrel, and he's rich and she's poor, so there's that tension. 
Well, throughout the, the course of the story, he takes advantage of her. He abuses her. And so she goes home to her mother, finds out that she is with child, mm. and then has to come and, and, and figure out what to do to tell her mother. So she does. She tells her mother this story of this terrible abuse and her terrible situation in this time. And this is what the mother said. Mother listens to her, and then she looks at her, and she says, well, at least he's rich. Mm. Mm. No empathy. <laughs> uh, no. She hears her daughter's story, and she thinks beyond that. Well, at least the person who has uh, gotten you in this fix can take care of it. We can fix this. I can fix this. You can fix this. Go marry him, and then it all will be well. She moves beyond the moment. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't live in that moment or hear it at all. Mm. And then, so Tess goes on to live a tragic life, and that's the way that story goes. Um, and then I think of a modern poet, singer-songwriter Miranda Lambert tells, not that same story, but she sings a song, a great song. Uh, I think it's entitled Mama's Broken Heart. Is that right? <clears throat> and this is, so what happens is in the story, a girl is broke, uh, her heart is broken. And she's, um, she's sad. She's gone a little bit. She stands out in the yard and screams the guy's name. And the neighbors he call the policeman. He yeah. dumped her. She cuts her <clears> hair <throat> and, and goes to the bars and all this. Well, so her mama enters the scene. And this is what mama says. Listen to this poetry. Listen to this. And listen to the message more than the poetry. Go fix your makeup, girl. It's just a breakup. Run and hide your crazy. And start acting like a lady, because I raised you better. Mm. Got to keep it together, even when you fall apart. Mm. Now, that's mama's voice. You hear her? Quit that acting crazy. Quit doing, doing these things. You, you're embarrassing me. And then in good poetry, you've got the shift, right? And it comes on a word like but or since or yet. And so then we get the girl's vo voice. And she says, but this ain't my mama's broken heart. What she's saying is, Mama doesn't hear me. Mm -hmm. Mama doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. Mama's not listening. I'm in great pain, and Mama says, mm. quit acting crazy. Hide it. Mama is Definitely. not being empathetic. She doesn't no. hear the girl. And so the girls, these girls, Tess and the girl in the, in the um, mm. song, go away unheard, more broken, and with no support or, no support or consolation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Those are examples of people who acted completely without empathy. Mm. Thank you. Um, so glad you could be with us today. Uh, welcome. I want you, if you have a copy of the scriptures, I wish you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm going to read uh, a, a major section of this chapter. And I hope you'll follow along and listen. Uh, my prayer is that God will speak to us and uh, let us... Uh, hear and understand and know that this is God's word to us today. So listen as I read this. It says in 2 Kings chapter 4, One day the prophet Elisha, um, he was the prophet of the people of God in Israel about 800 years before the Lord Jesus was born. Uh, he traveled throughout Israel proclaiming God's word to God's people and he had sort of a circuit that he would ride or that he would travel 
uh, going to certain towns, population centers, and uh, that's where he would, he would, that was his route, if you will. And it says, one day Elisha went to Shunem, and that was one of the cities or towns on his route, and it was uh, up in north-central Israel. Uh, just FYI, it's the town where Jonathan and Saul were killed in that big battle with the Philistines uh, before King David uh, became king of Israel. Uh, anyway, it says, uh, one day the prophet Elisha went to Shunem, where a great lady, and that's the literal translation of that word, this lady that lived there was a great lady, and that word could mean a godly lady, a noble lady, a lady of reputation, a lady of wealth. It could all be, some of your translations would use those different words to describe her, but what it says is she was a great lady that lived there. And this great lady urged Elisha to come to her home for a meal. And after that, when he was in town, he would stop by for a meal. She told her husband, I'm sure this man who comes by occasionally is a holy man of God. Let's build him a small furnished room for him to stay in when he's in town. One day Elisha came to town and went up to his room to rest. And he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the lady that I'd like to talk to her. And when she came, notice Elisha said to Gehazi, he didn't talk to the lady. Prophets of God did not speak to women out in public. And so he had his servant relay his messages to her. There was always in that time a very uh, clear distance that was kept between a man of God and uh, uh, especially a, a, a woman. Uh, you see that in John 4 with Jesus. When Jesus is talking to that lady at the well and the disciples come back uh, and find him and they go, what in the world is he doing? He's talking to that lady. Jesus would have normally not done that and they were surprised to find him doing it. And in this story that we're reading right now, Elisha is communicating with this lady through his servant Gehazi. Uh, and he says, uh, he said to his servant Gehazi, tell the lady that I'd like to talk to her. <clears throat> and when she came, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her that we appreciate her kindness to us. What can we do for you? Can we ask the king or the army commander to do you a favor? No, my, uh, no, my lord. My family takes good care of me. I've got all I need. I'm good. Later on, Elisha asked Gehazi, what, we, what can we do for her? <clears throat> and Gehazi <clears throat> replied, she doesn't have a son <clears throat> and her husband is old. Call her back. And she returned and Elisha said, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son. Oh man of God, Please don't deceive me and get my hopes up. But the lady became pregnant, sure enough, the following year, and she had a son, just as Elisha had said. One day, many years later, the little boy is probably now uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, right around in there. He's a, he's a little boy now. Um, let's see. Um, one day when the boy was older, he went out to help his dad with the harvest. <clears throat> and suddenly he cried, my head, my head, it really hurts. And his dad told a servant to carry him back to his mother. And the servant took him home, and his mom held him in her lap until about noon, and then he died.
She laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door, excuse me, and left him there. And she sent word to her husband, send me a donkey, I'm, I'm sorry, send me a servant and a donkey so I can go see the man of God. He was staying at Mount Carmel, which was about a day's ride uh, uh, away from where from Shunem. So he said, she said, send me a, don- a servant and a donkey so that I can go to the man of God. Why go today, he said. It's not a special holy day. But she said, all is well. She told the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. As she came to the man of God a day's journey from then, Elisha saw her coming and said to Gehazi, the lady from Shunem is coming. Run, ask her, is everything okay with you, with your husband, with your son? And she said, yes, all is well. But when she came to the man of God, she fell at his feet. She fell before him and grabbed his feet, which was totally unacceptable. That was a violation of all the social and cultural and religious norms of that day. She fell before him and grabbed his feet. She's, in, she's uh, 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 brokenhearted. She's desperate. She's inconsolable. <clears throat> and Gehazi tried to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled. But the Lord hasn't told me what's wrong. The lady said, did I ask you for a son? Didn't I say don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Elisha said to Gehazi, quick. Take my staff and run. Don't talk to anyone on the way. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the boy's mom said, I swear by the Lord's life and by your life, I will not go home until you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried ahead and laid the staff of the prophet on the boy's face, but nothing happened. So he returned to Elisha, saying, The boy is still dead. When Elisha arrived the next day, the boy was indeed dead, still lying on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the boy's body. It's very significant. You don't miss this. In Jewish culture, even to this very day, when somebody dies, they bury you either that day or the next day. This is a hot desert time. People... His body started decomposing uh, almost instantly. You didn't delay a person's funeral. So for this boy to have been laying there now two or three days, uh, and the prophet goes into the room and he lays down on the boy's body, and he puts his mouth on the boy's mouth, his eyes on the boy's eyes, and his hands on the boy's hands. And as he did, the boy's body began to grow warm. Elisha got up, took a break, and then stretched out again on the boy and did the same. Then the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha told Gehazi to call the boy's mom, and when she came in, Elisha said, Here's your son. The lady bowed before him, overjoyed and grateful, and then she took her son and left. I want to just pull out one idea out of that story that I want us to think about today that's obviously related to what Shirley said about the importance of being apathetic. 
But I'm sorry. When I say empathetic, I'm sorry. Empathetic, excuse me. Lordy. Uh, empathetic, excuse me. Thank you, Shirley. Um, <clears throat> says that this lady was a great lady. Um, she was a great lady on many levels and in many ways. I think the Bible is telling us there that this lady was great in that she was a lady that had been given great blessings. And she was a lady that had been given great sorrow. She'd been given great blessings. She had a great life. She had a husband. She had a home. She was a part of God's covenant people. She lived in God's covenant land, the promised land. And she had a, a, a life of wealth. She had great provision in her life. Uh, she lived in a home with a family that, that had servants. So they had money. <clears throat> she had a great life. But she also had a life of great sorrow. She was barren, the Bible says. She did not have any children. And I don't want to take the time today to get into all that, but in that day and in that culture, there was nothing more tragic that could happen to a woman than to be barren, to not have any children. Uh, on, for, for economic reasons, for uh, social reasons, for health reasons. There's all kind of dynamics going on that made it incredibly important that you had children so that as you uh, lived and grew old, those children became a source of help and strength and support for you. And she did not have any children. And she was heartbroken over it. It was the desire of her heart to have a child, and she did not have one. And every day when she went to the market, when she went to the well, when she went to a family gathering, when she walked by the local school, and she heard the laughter of those little children, it was a continual daily uh, uh, reopening of this wound. I also think the the Bible says that she not only was a great lady because she was greatly blessed and because she had great sorrow, but I think she was great uh, because this is a lady that didn't let her great blessings blind her to the needs of other people, nor did she let her great uh, pain paralyze her to the needs of other people. She was a lady that, yes, I've got blessings that I'm enjoying, and yes, I've got my own woes and troubles, but I also care about helping other people in need. And that's the kind of person she was, and I think it's one of the reasons that made her great. She recognized that this was a prophet. She recognized that he needed a place to live, to stay when he came through town. She recognized that there were, this is a man that didn't have any money. He was poor. And she, he needed food. He needed supplies and provision. And she made, made it her mission to take care of somebody that was in need. And I think that's one of the reasons that made her great. Well, God sees this passion in her life to be a source of blessing, to help people that are in need. And he blesses her for her desire to be a blessing to other people. And she gives this lady a son. I've, I thought of Proverbs, a verse in Proverbs uh, 19 that says, if you help people in need, you are lending to the Lord 
and he will repay you with interest. Hmm. Wonder what kind of interest God pays. Well, he saw what this lady was doing to be a blessing to other people. And he made it his mission to return those blessings back to her. And he gave this lady a little boy. Um, after a number of years, the little boy goes out to have his dad one day. And he uh, gets sick. Something's wrong with his head. And after a very brief period of time, he dies. She goes to the, um, she tells the husband she wants uh, 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 a donkey and a servant to take her to the prophet. I find it very significant that the, that the husband doesn't even ask. Number one, he doesn't take the boy to the mom personally. He doesn't tell the mom to take the boy to the doctor. He doesn't, when she says, hey, I need a servant and a donkey, he doesn't check on the boy. I find that very significant. Um, uh, when, when, um, uh, and when, when uh, he asked his wife, um, uh, or when, when, when yeah, he says, is everything okay? And the lady says, all is well, all is well. Same thing happens when, when the lady meets the servant of, of Elisha, Gehazi, uh, he comes up and he says to the lady, <clears throat> are you okay? Is your husband okay? Is your son okay? And the lady's answer is exactly the same. Everything's good. Everything's good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's well. Everything's okay. I'm fine. And it just, it, I read that a few weeks ago in my daily devotions, and I was just thinking about that, about why would she not tell her husband the truth about the, the horrible pain and loss that was going on in her heart. Why would she say, all is well, I'm fine, when she wasn't? Why would she tell the servant of Elisha, Gehazi, that when her heart was broken and she was desperate, why would she say to Gehazi, I'm fine, everything's okay? I wonder why she wasn't honest with them. I wonder why she acted like all was well when all was definitely not well. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why. I think that we can make some pretty educated uh, holy guesses about why a wife would not be honest with her husband about the, the pain and suffering in her heart. I think husbands, including me, uh, can be notorious uh, when our wives express to us that they're hurting, that they're angry, that they're afraid, that they're in need, <clears throat> and we immediately want to go to fixing. Oh, well, here's what you need to do, or that's not that bad, or have you considered this, or we want to give them an answer, we want to give them a solution, or we want to help them see that what they're going through isn't as difficult or bad or painful as they're making it out to be. Maybe just the sheer fact that the man was busy. He was busy. He was wealthy. He was successful. He had a big business going on. He was busy, busy, busy. And she knew <clears throat> he didn't have the time to give her that she needed. I don't know exactly why, but what I do know is when he asked his wife, is everything okay? Her answer was, all is fine when it wasn't. <clears throat> why would Gehazi <clears throat> experience the same thing with the lady? Why would the lady know, 
I don't need to tell this man what's going on in my life. I can't be honest with this man. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us. I find it very significant when this lady uh, falls at the feet of the prophet and Gehazi sees her touch his leg, grab his leg. His first response is not, oh my goodness, she must be heartbroken. Oh my goodness, what's really wrong? What's going on? His first reaction is, get away from him. Appearance. Mm -hmm. What are good people going to think? How is this going to make my, my master look bad? What are people, appearance and form and rules and other people's expectations. That's what's important here. Not what, not your pain, not your broken heart, not your need, not your desperation. And that lady picked up on that. She knew that. Elisha, in contrast, was very different. I don't know what uh, doesn't say, but somehow that lady knew that Elisha was a man of compassion and empathy. Um, I grew up uh, watching a lot of TV shows and movies, and uh, I, I still love them to this day. And uh, almost every one of my heroes were very similar. People like uh, Ron Swanson uh, in Parks and Recs, uh, Michael Scott in The Office, every character in Seinfeld, Jack Nicholson, John Wayne, Stallone, Eastwood, Schwarzenegger, and Mel Gibson. All of those men have, they're different men, but they all have something in common. They have absolutely, at least in their roles they played, they have no empathy at all. They have no compassion. These are rough, tough people that take charge and fix things and make things right, but they don't understand, at least in the roles they played, what empathy is all about. I want to just be honest with you before my wife tattles on me and tell you, I'm not talking today about a topic that I understand very well or that I've learned very well. This is a real need in my life. What I am talking about today is something that I recognize is important and that I recognize I need to learn to do more effectively. We live in a world today like never before where we are surrounded by people that outwardly create the illusion that all is well, that everything's fine, that I am good, but inwardly, clearly, they are full of anger and pain and desperation. Daily in our very homes, uh, across the dinner table from one another, at school, at the gym, at work, and at the stores where we do business, we ask people every day, how are you doing? How are things going? And the appropriate, immediate answer is, I'm fine. All is well. But in reality, it's not fine. And all is not well. Teddy Roosevelt said this, Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much, how much you care. People don't want wise solutions. People don't want cliched answers. What people long for is empathy 
and compassion. So I want you to watch this little clip for me. It only takes about two minutes. It'll help me explain to you what we're talking about when we use the word empathy. So what is empathy and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. (laughs) Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, climb down. I know what it's like down here, and you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So, I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. (laughs) John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. I hope that little video helps you see what I'm talking about when I use the the word empathy or the word compassion. And that it's not Um, sympathy. Like, so sorry. Okay, bye. Yes, yes. (laughs) Like the deer in the Um, video. Yes. Not that. Um, Uh, In my mind, uh, the way I see empathy is it's making a choice to make much of the other person that's in pain and need and to make little of me. Little of my opinions, little of my ideas, little of my emotions, little of my experiences, little of my advice. They don't need very much of me. But what they need is for me to give, make a lot about them, for me to make, a, to make a big deal by giving them time to really listen, to validate and share their pain, to climb down in that hole mm-hmm. with them, to seek to understand what they're saying and feeling, 
to find something in my life that I can uh, use to relate to them, to connect with them, so that I can feel the pain that they are feeling, to show them support and loyalty no matter what. They don't need or want my cliches, my Bible verses, my advice, my solutions, my help. They don't need me to try to make them feel better. They sure don't need me to rebuke or judge them or correct them. And as the video said, they don't need me to try to help them see the bright side or the silver lining. That's not what empathy is all about. I would just remind us that Jesus Christ, like Elisha, had a unique ability to show compassion and empathy to hurting people. Uh, the Apostle John, if you read the Gospel of John carefully, over and over and over again, the lady at the well, the adulterous lady, the blind man, Jesus' dealings with Mary and Martha, his dealings with Mary Magdalene, his dealings with Peter. Over and over again, John emphasizes Jesus' unique ability to show empathy to people and how that created connection and healing in the lives of those people that Jesus was relating to and trying to reach and show love to. And I think it's important for us to be reminded today that if we have the spirit of Jesus inside us, if we have the nature of Jesus inside us because we have become his children, his brothers and sisters, it's important to Jesus that we learn to show empathy to other people as well. That's why I just looked up a few verses where like in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says, Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us so that we can comfort others. In John 15, I want you to love as I have loved. In 1 Corinthians 12, if one part of the body suffers, all the parts suffer. In Romans 12, mourn with people who are mourning. In Ephesians 4, treat people with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness as God through Christ has treated you. In Colossians 3, as God's chosen and holy and loved people, express compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience to people. In 1 Peter 3, be like-minded, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and humble. And in Matthew 7, in all you do, do to others what you want them to do for you. For this sums up the Old Testament. And then in Galatians 6, share one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Notice in every one of those verses, God's not asking us to give people solutions to give them ways that they can change their lives or improve their lives. None of those verses encourage us to make people feel better. What those verses scream out is, show people empathy. Show people compassion. This is important to Jesus. This is important to Jesus that we learn to do well in our relationships with others. And I would say there is no place where it's more important for us to learn this than with our families. John Gottman, who is sort of the, the guru of all relational counseling, he said a, an incredible statement. He said that 70% of all relational stalemates have nothing to do with the issue that's being fought over. 
but it is a, it's, but it is a need by one of the people in the relational issue. It is a need in their life to experience compassion and empathy. People do not want our wisdom, our solutions, our help, our criticism, our attempt to help them grow or to be cheered up. What they want when their hearts are broken and they are in desperate need and in places of darkness, what people want is to be heard. They want to experience connection. They want to feel our empathy, our compassion, our support, our loyalty. They want to feel like we don't judge them, but we stand by them. Our children need this. Our mates long for this. Our siblings, our friends, and our co-workers, they're not looking for our wise responses, but they're looking for our loving, empathetic, compassionate connection. Oh, that God would give us the ability, the desire and the ability to learn to be empathetic to the people in our lives. May it be so. As we end today, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Uh, I was just reading in John 6 today. Uh, I say John 6, I'm so sorry, Romans 6. And uh, really what Paul says in Romans 6 is simply this. We identify with the death of Jesus so that we can identify with the resurrected life of Jesus. We eat bread and we drink juice or wine as our way of declaring we identify with the death of Jesus, his death on the cross. We identify with that. That's what we cling to. That's what we put our faith in. That's where our hope is. And we do that out of our confidence that if we identify with his death, we will also experience his resurrection life. So here you go, Shirley. Thank you again for joining us today. I pray the Lord's blessings on you. Thank you. In compassion for the one The one for whom you love Gave your son For humanity Increase my love So help me to love with open arms Like you do a love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even if just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Oh, how you love us from the homeless to the famous and in between you formed us you made us carefully 
Cause in the end, we're all your children. So help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even if just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. So let all my life tell of who you are And wonder of your never-ending love Let all my life tell of who you are That you're wonderful, such a good father Let all my life tell of who you are the wonder of never-ending love let all my life tell of who you are that you're wonderful such a good father that you're wonderful and such a good father and help me to love with open arms like you do A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you Even if just a smile, they would feel the Father's love so help me to love with open arms like you do A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you Even if just a smile, they would feel the Father's love Well, thanks again for joining us this week. We are Christ Community Church. I hope today was encouraging for you. Uh, come back next week. Uh, we'll be right here, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, 10, 15 a.m. Uh, you guys have a great week. Thank you all.